I well, was at work late one day, and this gal came to me and said, hey, can I have some money? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I need money. I said, well, don't we all? <laughs> I need money because I've got two kids that I haven't seen. I said, all right, are you a veteran? And she said, I am. I said, okay. And fast forward, four months later, she said, you know, when I met you that day, I was probably at the lowest point of my life. But when I walked through the doors of Workshops for Warriors, I found hope again. And you gave me that hope. You gave me hope to believe in myself and to work again. And now she's making $27 an hour. She's in a house for the first time in five years. Wow. And most importantly, she was reunited with her two kids that are both less than 10. Wow, that's great. That's the type of real life impact that we have over here. Hi there, this is the SolidWorks Born to Design podcast, a podcast of inspiring stories about those who create, build, invent, and engineer new ideas into actual new products. And by the way, they all use SolidWorks. I'm your host, Cliff Medling, and this episode is titled Veterans Designing Their Future. Today, I'll be speaking with U.S. Navy veteran Hernan Luis Iprado. After returning home, Hernan realized many of his fellow veterans were not getting proper opportunities in the workforce. Given the skills gap in American manufacturing, Hernan saw a chance to address both needs. Hernan shares his very passionate story about how he risked his own career to help veterans gain the skills they needed. Let's jump in and hear the amazing journey of Workshops for Warriors. So how did Workshops for Warriors get started? I started Workshops for Warriors because I was in the Navy from 1996 to 2013. And in 1996, I was serving with the United States Marine Corps as a corpsman, so a Navy corpsman or medic. We were, became entrenched with the Marine Corps unit that I was with, and I really developed some great friendships during that time. Then I went to Iraq for my first combat tour in 2003. And I saw one of my friends from San Diego, California. In fact, back then it was 29 Palms, California. We were both stationed. And we saw each other in Iraq and then later on in Kuwait Naval Base. And we didn't think much of it, but it was great to, to meet people that you were so close with and then go back to war, right, literally. Right. So that was 2003, end of 2003 or so. I came back from Iraq, and I was stationed at the Naval Observatory where the Vice President of the United States lives and works. So I would go back as part of my duties to different hospitals. I'd see that more and more of my friends were being stuck in hospitals and they had nowhere to go. Literally, they were waiting for physical therapy or a prosthetic or some type of something before they were able to go back to where their family was, normally in California. So these were primarily West Coast Marines that were stuck in the East Coast, and they had no timeline. Literally, every week, the doctor would come in and say, next week, you're going home, son, next week. Then two, three, four, 20 weeks would go by. Wow. And the guys would still be at that hospital. And Marines deal with a lot of different things very, very well, but they don't deal with uncertainty very well. And I started seeing them in my travels at the hospital, and they started recognizing me, and they'd say, hey, Doc, you know, what are you doing here? And I'd explain what I was doing, and I'd invite them over to my house, and they'd just come out and hang out. And before you knew it, I had a whole garage full of Marines that were in my, in my house or my garage, and they were just blowing off steam and just trying to figure out when they were going to get back. But I, I realized there was something that needed to be done, but I didn't really understand what I could do, A, because I was so busy, and B, because I thought, well, so many smarter, more capable people with more resources than I have have tried to deal with this issue, and they haven't succeeded. I'm just going to let someone else take care of it. 
And right. despite that, I'd see people come every day at the hospital mangled up. In fact, I was trying to go to medical school, so I would volunteer at the hospital at night, and I was working under one of the orthopedic surgeons there, and he helped me. He gave me a, a lot of experience. So I was in the hospital at night in the emergency room, and we were doing simple procedures to doing amputations for some of the guys that were coming back. And every day I noticed that more and more people were coming back with less and less limbs, and their future seemed to be growing bleaker and bleaker. That's tough. But again, I couldn't quite wrap my head around what it is that needed to be done or how I could help do anything. And I told my wife now, girlfriend at the time, I said, you know, Rachel, we've got to do something. And she said, yeah, I, I agree. And she's a survey methodologist and a statistician and a very, very sharp person. And she said, you know what, you're right. We should figure out what it is we could do. And I said, I, I agree, I agree. But I guess couldn't devote the brain power to it that it needed. And then one day in late 2004, early 2005, I'm in Montgomery Mall. And this, this voice comes out of nowhere and says, Doc, Doc. And I turn around and I see this guy, John Jones, that uh, is calling out to me and coming towards me, and he says, Doc, I need you to be my best man this Friday at noon. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, get up, man. Give me a hug. I haven't seen this guy in two years since we were in Iraq together. I said, get up. And he goes, oh, I, I can't, Doc. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, after you left me in Iraq, I stepped in a double-stack IED, and I lost both my legs. And it was such a powerful shock for me to see this one guy. This guy that I'd run through 29 Palms with, cruised up and down the Um Kazar River, done so many things with to see him and knowing that we would not be able to do all of the things that we did before. And I pulled myself together and I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, be, there on, I'll be there on Friday. Don't worry, John. And he turned around he, and he wheeled away. And I literally sank to my knees and I thought to myself, if, if this is John, this is a guy that I know, that I spent so much time with, and I could just see his whole future shattered. All of his dreams, his aspirations, everything that he had planned on just got demolished. That's tough. And he didn't see it at that moment, but I did. And as I'm sinking down to the ground, I literally grabbed my wife's elbow and I said, we're going to sell everything we have and we're going to do something. And my wife, to her eternal credit, said, yes, we are. Wow. <laughs> That's great. And that's how we started workshops for warriors. And how did you know it was they needed jobs, they needed training? What brought that idea upon? Well, the biggest challenge is when you're in the service, you're in this very tight tapestry, the social and professional tapestry that dictates what you do, who you do it with, how you do it, how you communicate that you've done it or did not do it. And you know what your peers expect from you, what your bosses demand of you, what you're demanding from your subordinates. Right. And then all of a sudden, you're just ripped out of this fabric and just cast asunder. And it's an incredibly difficult situation to be in, particularly if you're young and your whole ego is built around how fast you can run, how well you can shoot, how many push-ups you can do. So... When you're in the service, people are constantly telling you how valued you are, how much the American population loves you, how you can get a job doing no matter what, how you're a leader of men, how you can innovate and adapt and overcome. But it's hard to go out in the real world as a scout sniper or as a commando and say, I'd like to be a welder or a machinist or a fabricator or 
anything in polite society. Exactly. If you think about it, most people love veterans, but what they need are welders, machinists, computer-aided designers, computer-aided manufacturers, people that can get it done. So what we've done in workshops is basically created this intersection between two Venn diagrams of all the great skill sets that an honorably discharged service member would bring to the fight so that's a great communicator, metric-driven, enthusiastic, optimistic, honest, drug-free, timely, and then we give them compressed, nationally recognized credentials and skill sets that are important to America's manufacturing base. For example, SolidWorks certified SolidWorks associate credentials are offered here. Certified SolidWorks professional credentials are offered here. We teach MasterCam computer manufacturing, American Welding Society welding credentials. We teach three, four, and five axis turning and milling, as well as NC3 credentials and National Institute for Metalworking Skills credentials. So our motto is we train, provide nationally recognized training and credentials, and place veterans into advanced manufacturing careers throughout America. That's great. Now, now for, for scale, how many students have gone through there? And, and I'd love for you to also talk about, you know, your placement ratings. So we started Workshops for Warriors in 2008. Our first class in San Diego was 2011, and it had two people in it. Then in 2012 or 13, we were up to four to five people for class, and now we're running at 60 students per class three times a year with 532 graduates of our program that have earned over 3,520 nationally recognized credentials. That's awesome. And a 94% placement rate for all of our graduates since 2011. That's awesome. Well, we've been really fortunate. One is we've got great subject matter, right? So we've got the best prime material you can work with, which is a service member of the United States military. And then they, they normally come to us anywhere from six months to two months before they leave active duty service. So we train veterans, wounded warriors, and transitioning service members. The, the transitioning service members can be up to six months before they leave active duty. These are highly motivated, competent, and articulate men and women. And we put them through compressed training programs in either welding or machining. Each one of these courses is four months long, five days a week, eight hours a day. We have a very rigorous attendance policy and professional policy. So they have to be within the top 80% of their class. If not, they get dropped. If they're tardy for three classes, it counts as an absence. And if they're absent four times, they will be disenrolled, no questions asked. So our graduates say this is fairly rigorous, but my motto is that our school is a filter. It is not a pump. There are <laughs> plenty of other organizations out there that will help, and I urge them to go look at the other organizations, but if they really are trying to do something impactful, we would love to have them here, but they need to put out. Right. Can you share maybe one or two? You, have, you must have some favorite stories about some of your students that have come through. I, we have a lot. Fortunately, <laughs> we've got 532 great uh, stories. One of the biggest challenges here is how to communicate these great stories. Like, let me give you one of them that really galvanized me at the very beginning was I, well, I was at work late one day, and this gal came to me and said, hey, can I have some money? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I need money. I said, well, don't we all? <laughs> she said, no, no, I need money because I've got two kids that I haven't seen. 
I said, all right, well, are you a veteran? And she said, I am. I said, okay. So I brought her upstairs, and fast forward, four months later, she said, you know, when I met you that day, I was probably at the lowest point of my life. But when I walked through the doors of Workshops for Warriors, I found hope again. And you gave me that hope. And you gave me hope to believe in myself and to work again. And now she's making $27 an hour. She's in a house for the first time in five years. Wow. And most importantly, she was reunited with her two kids that are both less than 10. Wow, that's great. That's the type of real life impact that we have over here. That's great. That's, uh, that's, you know, as they talk about an emotional paycheck, that must be great. You're changing lives. Well, it's not us. We, a, we've got a great team here. And the team from the instructors to staff to marketing that's able to go out and, and share what these things do. I mean, if, if you don't know the value of what you're doing, it's very tough. And if you know anything at all about the veteran space, there are 45,000 veteran service organizations in the United States right now. Less than 2% of them have revenues of over $1 million a year. Less than 17% of that 2% have full-time staff and facilities. We're in that 17%. Wow. So we spend our money, our time, and our talent on training. In fact, 87% of every dollar given to us goes straight to training. And this is while we're expanding training and course offerings, while we're providing more and more wraparound services to our students. And that's only because of the team that we have. That's, that's excellent. Which brings up another question, you know, what are your future plans? Where, where's, what's, the, what's next for Workshops for Warriors? Well, we've been asked by President Obama and President Trump's team to expand to 103 schools throughout the nation. Wow. Which I love the idea, however, I'm a pretty practical person, so I'm more interested in the funding of how that would happen. So in short, we're planning on staying here in San Diego until we build out our $50 million capital expansion plan, which will enable us to train and graduate over 1,400 veterans, wounded warriors, and transitioning service members per year in San Diego. And once that facility is built out in the next two to five years, depending on funding, then we will have uh, built by that time a train-the-trainer program, and then those trainers will then go and man up the other six hub facilities that we're going to be opening throughout the United States, and then once those are at capacity, we'll go downstream and continue to build out the other locations. That's great. Three to five years, you said. Correct. Earlier, if we get more funding. So it's just a matter <laughs> of uh, opening your, your wallet there. It's no big deal, Cliff. Yeah, exactly. Well, well speaking, of, no, speaking of which, uh, you know, how can others help? Uh, where can they find you? Obviously, you know, we'll do a weekend. We're going to promote this blog. But what can others do to help? Where can they find you? How can they participate? So the easiest way to find Workshops for Warriors is online at wfw.org. That's wfw.org. And in terms of how we can help, we have an issue called the double funnel. We have over 500 students waiting for every one of our classes every semester, yet we have 2,500 job offers for every one of our graduates. Wow. But at our current funding level, we can only fund 120 students per year. So the easiest way to move forward is cash donations. And again, you can donate to wfw.org knowing that 87% of all of your monies go straight to training programs. We've been audited for the last seven years and never has anything negative been found. I know it's a double negative, but we've always <laughs> had a, a, great, a great audit. How's that? <laughs> exactly. Well said. And how you can help, I would say, two things. One is you can reach out to the companies that you work in and see if they do a matching grant or a challenge grant or come by and visit us. Literally 
every time we do a tour here, people leave and say, oh, my God, H, I wish I had come earlier. I wish you had impressed upon me the need to come earlier because now I can, I'll tell my friends, I'll tell my boss, I'll tell my broker, I'll tell everyone about Workshops for Warriors. I've never been in a more impactful place. In fact, cabinet member, so Linda McMahon, who is the administrator for the Small Business Administration, came by and said, that she's visited 39 states and over 7,000 companies and organizations, and we were the most impressive facility she had ever been to, and that our training program should be replicated and should be the model for advanced manufacturing training throughout America. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's such a need to fill that skills gap, as we hear so much about the, today. So there's definitely need. I don't see any limit to where you guys can grow. That's great. Well, it, it's great if people remember that we are – all Americans, right? So we are Americans first and foremost, and we are Democrats, Republicans, Hispanics, whatever it is you want to call it, second. And as Americans, we owe our nation the best possible future that we could offer it Absolutely. and our children. And part of that is stepping up and doing something. So we get a lot of lip service, but there are some companies out there that when we approached them and said, look, this is what we're doing, this is what we're interested in doing, and no, we don't have any money, but we want you <laughs> to provide our veterans and wounded warriors with the absolute best equipment, tooling, software possible, would you help? And frankly, companies like Dusso Systems or SolidWorks stepped up to the plate, and they've never asked us for money. Every time that we talk to them, they'll ask us, what can we do to help? Companies like Haas Automation, like Mastercam for computer manufacturing or Sandvik tooling, Snap-on tools, Starrett. These are companies that are literally the benchmarks of advanced manufacturing, not only in America, but for the world. And to have these people step up and say, of course we'll help. Tell us how. That has been such a psychological and financial boon for us. And it literally leaves me humbled and grateful that these companies would choose to do something to help our, our nation's veterans. That's one of the things that literally every day I wake up and I'm just thankful for that. I think that there are important things that Americans need to kind of realize and internalize. One is that we're not kids anymore. We need to put our shoulder to the grindstone and help our nation out. And this is one of those times. So the spigot for advanced manufacturing for this nation was turned off roughly 10 years or so after World War II ended. And yet this nation has coasted by on a series of this, in fact, this huge infrastructure for advanced manufacturing that the Department of Defense created in order to support our wartime efforts. And then these subject matter experts were either in the service or out of the service, and then they retired from the service. They were hired by industry. Industry then performed the same type of job, and we had on-the-job training led by these subject matter experts. And then the apprentices for these subject matter experts now are retiring as well. And there is no one left to take their spot. So right now, if you think that, that we're, we're doing well, I would ask you to think about some pretty frightening statistics, which is 2013, Department of Labor put out a report stating that the median age of your advanced manufacturing worker was 59 years old, and that there were 2.3 million advanced manufacturing jobs that were unfilled due to lack of skilled labor. And that number was expected to rise to 3.5 million in the next five years. Wow. So this silver tsunami is a pool 
of available employees for advanced manufacturing that is getting smaller and smaller and older and older with no training pipeline other than workshops for warriors available to help generate the talent that is required to keep this nation at the top of the advanced manufacturing heap and also to start innovating new and environmentally sound ways of either producing or innovating new products. And I think part of the things that people don't realize is that when you were a kid, America used to create inventors every single week. We had more patents than any other nation in the world. We still do now, but that number, that, that gap is not as wide as it used to be. Right. And you're able to invent because you need something and because you're exposed to different things that you are trying to make better. If we don't put the best tools, technology, and software in the hands of our nation's veterans and give them an opportunity to really saturate themselves with that knowledge and practice and come up with a hard way of doing things over and over until they say, you know what, there's a better way, and I'm going to patent it. This is going to become a U.S. patent, and this is going to help our nation. We are not going to succeed. Secondly, from a defense standpoint, given our paucity of advanced manufacturing employees and that in 15 years most of these people will be retired, if we go to war and our shipping lanes are cut, our nation currently does not have the means to rebuild herself, and we are going to stop that. And Workshops for Warriors is committed to rebuilding America's advanced manufacturing workforce with veterans, and we need your help. And we need everyone to stop thinking, oh, this is a good idea, I'm going to go back home, or I'm going to go play Plants vs. Zombies, and think this is important to our nation, to our future, and to our children, and I'm going to contribute money, I'm going to see how they can help, and I'm going to see what doors I can open for them. That's what we need people to do. Exactly. We had one of our students go through a program, and he had lost his leg in Iraq. And he came in one evening and said, hey, H, I need to borrow one of your mills at night. And my first thought always when a Marine asks you to borrow a mill late at night is that they're going to build a gun. So I said, well, tell me what you're going to do. And he said, well, it's taking me four to five months to go into the VA to get seen for a new prosthetic. And if I could just change the angle on my foot right now, I'd be able to use this leg, but right now I can't use it. And I am getting tired of walking around on crutches. So I said, tell you what, <laughs> I'll put the lead instructor on this for you. You tell them what you need, and we'll build you this new prosthetic ankle. And we came up with this ankle, and we submitted it for patenting. And now this guy, with the skills that he learned in our school, was able to literally get back on his feet in less than a week when the VA told him it would be four to five months. That's and awesome. that's the skills that we can put throughout our nation. And that was done on SolidWorks, with software that was donated to us, on equipment that was donated to us, on tooling that was donated to us, in a building that a lady said, we've never sold the building before, but we're going to sell it to you because we believe in what you're doing. So I'm saying every American has the opportunity today to think, am I going to do something impactful or am I not? And these are all things that happened because somebody decided that today they were going to do something impactful. And that's what we can do for our nation. I couldn't agree more. Now, that's a great story. Our school caught the attention of the world's best intellectual property firm, Fish and Richardson. Thanks to them, we have 28 patents and trademarks designed and developed at our school on SolidWorks software, Mastercam software, and then fabricated and prototyped right here at our facility in San Diego. So this is something that is almost like a veteranpreneur space for our nation's veterans. Erna, though this is great. Uh, your, your passion about this project is, is excellent. 
you know, I think we you, you bring up a great point, and we, we do need to start thinking about the future of American manufacturing. And we all, it's, it's important to all of us, right? I think so. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think you made that point very clear, and, it, and it's true. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I, I, um, there's just so much good information from what you mentioned today. Uh, very impactful. You know, in, in the Navy, we'd say you know, the only easy day was yesterday. And what I would tell people is when they hear this, when they think about doing something is whatever it is you do, like dig in, dig in. Whatever it is you're going to do, like attack it with an intensity that is unknown to mankind. And if you're interested in helping veterans, attack that issue. Go in there, research, see what's going on. Look at the audited financials. Don't just rely on some Snopes article that was debunked in 2009. <laughs> Go in there, talk to the people, visit, see what's going on, and then engage. And engage fully. And if you can only do it two hours a month or a week, whatever it is, donate your all or give your all during those two hours. That's how you change lives. That's how you change our nation. Whatever it is, we just need to give 100%. Absolutely. And give back to those who've helped us, yeah. That's what you need. Like, we need to really start thinking about an apprenticeship program in the U.S. again and have that be something that is subsidized just like our roadways or our shipyards. If we really want to create a pool of people that can rebuild our nation, that can rebuild our infrastructure and make it a future-based infrastructure and not a backwards-leaning infrastructure, we need to have people that are armed with the best skills, technology, and software possible. And that requires money, and it requires patience on everyone's end. I agree. But the, the good point is that it's happening, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're here in sunny San Diego, and we started off with, a, what, two two little garages that were like 400 square feet each, and now we're at almost 92,000 square feet and about to embark on another 90,000 square foot construction project. So it is working, and, you know, the right thing wins out if you if you just work on it long enough and you have a good enough team. They're here full-time, 0800 to 1630, five days a week. We open up on Saturdays as well if students need some additional time. And, uh, we're again, we teach four-month-long classes. They lead to roughly seven nationally recognized credentials each and 94% job placement. That's outstanding. One of the things that I love about here is, for example, I'm looking out and I, I see a brand new shipping container classroom. And so we're here on Main Street, San Diego, some of the most expensive real estate in San Diego. And before I get 98% of the people here that are listening going, well, why don't you just move out to, because if you move, we have to restart our GIO process all over again, 10 years. That's why we can't move. In fact, while you build, you can't move or change operations. So we're literally, you know, given lemons, and we're making lots of lemonades with it, that we were told that we had to, we, well, we needed more training classrooms for the computer-aided design and SOLIDWORKS classrooms, but we literally had no space to put them. And since we knew that we were going to be demolishing several buildings, it did, made no sense to build a big half a million dollars to half a, to a million dollar classroom only to demolish it in a year. So we built these classrooms out of shipping containers, and we designed them in SOLIDWORKS, we cut out the pieces using a, a model lasers, a flow water jet, some Hosmills and Lays. Our welder fabricators put it together, and this thing looks amazing. In fact, the Department of Defense came over and said, wow, we should use these things for homeless shelters and DARPA and FEMA. And so this is something that literally necessity was the mother of invention, and this is something that we'd like to really infect every veteran that leaves the service on how to rebuild our nation. And I want every American to really galvanize themselves around the idea that together we can do so much more than if we were divided. I agree with that. 
Thanks for listening today. And remember, if you are interested in helping out our returning veterans, please do. I encourage you to go and check out Workshops for Warriors at WFW.org. That's WFW.org, in which 80% of donations go straight to training veterans. We'll be back again soon with more great Born to Design podcast stories at SolidWorks.com slash podcasts or wherever podcasts are readily available. Until then, keep innovating.